Morning, church family. It's great to see all of you here. And once again, a welcome to everybody who's joining us for the first time. Um, please do not rush off afterwards as we would like to meet you and get to know you a bit better. Um, my name is Joanne. I'm from the Waterfall Life Group. And the only thing more impressive about our life group today would be if Martin was standing here dressed as black and throwing in a rap song just for good measure. Um, I don't know who your life group leader is, but he needs to talk to talk to. Really? I agree with you, Eddie. <laughs> um, the reading, Bible reading today, guys, brace yourself. It's Psalm 74. It's a long Bible reading, um, but you're going to enjoy it, especially the service that the reading from the, the service that Eddie's going to give to us after that on, as he opens God's word. Psalm 74 will be behind me on the screen, or you can follow in your Bibles. O oh God, why do you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation, which you have purchased of old, which you have redeemed to be the tribe of your heritage. Remember Mount Zion, where you have dwelt. Direct your steps to the perpetual ruins. The enemy has destroyed everything in your sanctuary. Your foes have roared in the midst of your meeting place. They set up their own signs for signs. They were like those who swing axes in a forest of trees, and all is carved wood. They broke down with hatchets and hammers. They set your sanctuary on fire. They profaned the dwelling place of your name. Bring it down to the ground. They said to themselves, we will utterly subdue them. They burned all the meeting places of God in the land. We do not see our signs. There is no longer any prophet, and there is none among us who knows how long. How long, O oh God, is the foe to scoff? Is the enemy to revile your name forever? How do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the fold of your garment and destroy them. Yet God, my king, is from old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. You divided the sea by your might. You broke the heads of the sea monsters on the water. You crushed the heads of the Leviathan. You gave him as food for the creatures of the wilderness. You split open springs and brooks. You dried up ever-flowing streams. Yours is the day, also yours is the night. You have established the heavenly lights and the sun. You have fixed all boundaries on the earth. You have made summer and winter. Remember this, O Lord, how the enemy scoffs and a foolish person reviles your name. Do not deliver the soul of your dove to the wild beasts. Do not forget the life for your poor forever. Have regard for the covenant, for the dark places of the land are full of the habitations of violence. Let not the downtrodden turn back in shame. Let the poor and needy praise your name. Arise, O God, defend your cause. Remember how the foolish scoff at you all the day. Do not forget the clamor of your foes, the uproar of those who rise against you, which goes up continually. This is the word of God. Thanks, Zaya, for leaving me some more of these um, wet wipes. needed them. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Eddie. Um, yes, and Joe is in our life group, so please forgive her or forgive us. Um, it's wonderful to see you this morning. Um, let me start off this morning uh, by praying for us. 
Let me just get my paperwork in order here, and then I'm going to ask you to pray with me. There we go. Hey, once you wet wipe this table, nothing wants to stick to it. There we go. All right, let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much um, that your word is a double-edged sword, and it cuts us straight to the heart. This morning, our prayer is, Lord, that you would help us trust you from our hearts. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now, um, pain and suffering has been a big thing in our world, um, in our lives. The last two years has um, really challenged us and uh, and reminded us that no one is exempt. Um, Suffering starts from a young age. I remember my two boys crying their hearts out until that little wind comes out. And then as we grow older, I cry my heart out this holiday when um, my body doesn't work anymore and I use the hammer in the wrong place. So, yeah. Um, Tears flow all the time, uh, pain and suffering. And then um, there are those tears that we shed when someone dies, uh, when death comes, the great equalizer comes. Um, Pain and suffering is real in our world. And instinctively, when it comes to pain and suffering, we ask the question, why? Um, Our children, why, why is my tummy sore? We ask why, um, especially when it comes to the death of a loved one and looking in from the outside as ministers, we have the privilege of of walking with people who are going through deep waters and we see that real pain uh, when someone asks that question. And on the outside, you just don't know what to say, what the answer to that question is because they always ask it. But as human beings created in God's image, we rightly take that question to God. Uh, The psalmist does it. Oh God, why? Um, But quickly, because our image is broken, uh, God turns from our helper to the one we accuse. Um, uh, Argument sometimes goes like this. You know, Lord, if you are all powerful, if you are all good, then why did you let this happen? Why didn't you not stop this? Um, this is an accusation as old as time itself that mankind has um, presented to God. Why don't you do something? Uh, now, our title, the series we were looking in, is a, is a series in the Psalms. And the title of our series is Songs of the Redeemed. Now, Psalm 74 is a lament song. It actually deals with suffering and, and pain. And Psalm 74 is God's psalm that is given to his people as an answer to that question. If you read Psalm 74 carefully um, and you take your time, you realize that the suffering the psalmist puts his finger on is actually much more dangerous than death itself. It's the suffering of someone who feels God forsaken. It's right there in the first verse. Oh God, why have you cast us all forever? Why have you forsaken us? So this, this suffering is a, is a deep, deep, deep suffering that the psalmist deals with. Oh God, why have you abandoned us? Now, 
the context of the psalm, what has happened, what made this happen is 587 BC, the Babylonians have come, they've conquered Jerusalem, they've destroyed Jerusalem. Must have been lots of people, lots of pain, lots of dead people. But the psalmist wrestles with the question of why, Lord, where are you when this happened? And Psalm 74 is God's answer to that question. God's Psalm 74 is actually the song. That's the song of, of that time. David and Black is going to deal with songs of our time. But that's the song of that time answering this question of a people who face God forsakenness and gives them hope. Now, um, 74, Psalm, whenever I say Psalm whatever in the 8 o'clock service, I went to Psalm 100 and Psalm 40 whatever. It's that Psalm, okay? Forgive me. It's that Psalm. So, when you look at that psalm, Psalm 74, the key verse must be verse 10 and 11. Um, now, why I say that is this is the extent of my Hebrew poetry, and this is my six months at Bible College with Hebrew. It's a psalm written as a chiasm. Now, all I think about is an arrow. So you've got the beginning bit, you've got a middle bit, and then you've got the point of the arrow, verse 10 and 11, then you've got a middle bit again, and then you've got an end bit. That's how a chiasm works. The beginning, middle, the point of the arrow, which contains all the questions that Psalm has asked, then you've got the middle bit, and then you've got the end bit. And the idea what you have to do is you have to compare the beginning bit with the end bit, and the middle bit with the middle bit, and when you do that, you get the answer to the questions that God is asking. Anyway, that's the extent of my chiasm. And when you do that, God reveals to us the answer to this age-old question, this accusation. So let's do that. So let's do the comparing and contrasting, and let's see what God's answer is. Now, if you have your Bibles open with you, that's very important, because otherwise I might as well be talking um, about the Heisgenoot. I'm Afrikaans, by the way. So... Open your Bibles. If you have it on your phone, open it and look with me. We're going to start by comparing and contrasting the beginning bits. So the beginning, verse 1, 2, and 3, and the end bit is verse 18 to the end. Um, key thing that we need to look at is who's the us. So right then, verse 1, oh God, why have you forsaken us? Who are the us? And then we have to look at how God responds. And one of the key responses that we have there is, is a word repeated all the time throughout the whole psalm, and that's the word remember. So, let's do that. Who are the ones that are forsaken? Now, if you look at verse 1, they are called the sheep of your pasture. Now, if you think back at your Bible, in your Bible history, the sheep of God's pasture, that's Genesis language, that's Abraham. That's God speaking to Abraham. Um, if you look at verse 2 there, remember your congregation, the ones you purchased from of old, your tribe of your inheritance. That's Exodus language. That's God rescuing his people. So we have the people God called through Abraham, went into exile, uh, into, exile into Israel, Egypt, that place. God rescued them from that place. Verse 2 ends with, remember, you are the tribe 
where I've made my dwelling. So the us there is God's people in the place that God has called them to be under his rule. Remember, you are, I am your God and you are my people. I am dwelling with you. So that's just a little bit we glean from the first three verses. Now, let's look at the end bits, um, verse 18 onwards. If you look at the us there, they're the ones who are called the poor, the doves, the downtrodden. They are called the ones God made a covenant with. Now remember the covenant between God and his people and the way the covenant was, was cut by the shedding of blood? Blood. Exodus, how they were rescued by the shedding of blood, the, blood, the perfect spotless lamb. Verse 21, these people, the downtrodden, the needy, are the ones who proclaim or praise God's name. They're the ones who carry God's name. Who is this God of yours, Israel? He's the God that we, we carry his name. We proclaim his name into the world. And verse 22, he is the one, or we are his people, that he has been using to bring about his cause. Oh God, defend your cause. What's God's cause? What is his purpose, his plan? Well, it's to love the world, to rescue the world. So really, right off the bat, the psalmist answers the question to why, God, why, have you, why don't you care? And the answer is he does care. There's real belonging language there. You belong to me, the Lord says. They are the ones who actually come and ask God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken us? Well, that's actually Jesus' words, but that's my God. Oh God, why have you cast us, us forever? Now, to see how God responds to them, um, we need to look how verse 3 moves into verse 4 and the rest. So here we have the psalmist asking these questions. And it's not stated, but you can imagine behind the scene, the Lord responds to the psalmist and says, well, they say, my God, where are you? Why are you not here? And then the Lord's response, my child, come, tell me all about it. Come, tell me all about your pain and your suffering. So the psalmist is pouring out his heart there in the whole psalm. And the Lord is saying, my child, the one I've redeemed, the one I've rescued, the one I've been protecting from of old, the one who carries my name, the one I'm using to bring my plans and purposes to completion, my child, tell me all about it. So the picture here is of a loving father. Um, I'm a father. You see your son or your child falling. There's blood. There's tears. You go to your son or he comes to you and he, you say to him, what happened? Tell me all about it. Already the fact that you are there and asking that question, he feels better because he belongs somewhere. He knows you care. This idea that God talks to the psalmist or, or the, his people and say, come and tell me all about it, it implies relationship. Painstakingly, the Lord established that relationship. Remember how Israel, how sin broke that relationship from the beginning in the garden. And the father patiently, in love, at great cost, brought his people back to himself. 
One of the Old Testament pictures we looked at is the way he brought them back is through this blood, this idea of the blood of the lamb, the rescue out of Egypt. That's pointing to Jesus, by the way. But the psalmist says, my son, my child, I care. I want you to tell me all about it. I love you. You belong to me. So the first accusation there against God is, God, why, why don't you care? And God's answer is, I do. Real hope for you and me, friends, is found in a God who really cares for us. We belong to him. Remember. All right, so that's the first, the first idea there, the first answer to the why question. The next little bit is we're going to look at the two middle bits, the longer bits. And the idea there is to answer the question of, oh God, why don't you act? Now that is all the way in the psalm. So it's right there in the point of the psalm. So in the Kaizen point, verse 11, let me read it for you. Why do you hold your hand back, your right hand? Take it out of your garment and destroy the enemy. To paraphrase, Lord, take your hands out of your pockets and do something. It's there in verse 3. You know, direct your steps, O Lord. Come and look what they are doing. It's there at the end of verse 22. Arise, O Lord, and defend your cause. So, Lord, take your hands out of your pocket. Defend your people. Defend your name. Defend your covenant. Defend your cause. Oh, God, why are you not acting? When we compare and contrast that a little bit, we find a God that does exactly that and even more. And, and, uh, uh, and when we look, we see the change. We see there's a little word in verse 12 that starts the psalm. Some versions it says, but. In ESV it says, yet. Already that's, and the idea goes like this. This is what the enemy has done, Yet. Or but, this is what the Lord has done. So they're comparing and contrasting. And already when you look at the yet, after the yet, you see the change in the psalmist. So the psalmist in verse 1 in the beginning, he calls, oh God. But after verse 12, it's, oh God my king from of old. Verse 18, oh Lord, capital letters L-O-R-D, that's Yahweh. Already the psalmist is remembering. So have a look there. Let's start in verse 3. Let's, let's see what the enemy has done. So, the enemy has destroyed your whole sanctuary. The sanctuary, verse 3, is the temple. That's a representation of God's people, God's place, under God's rule, the fulfillment of all God's promises. The enemy has destroyed it all. Verse 4, the place where we meet with you, your place... Your signs are now full of their signs. The place from where you rule us, your word came out to us, your people. Now their words come out. Their rule comes out. Verse 8, your people are now utterly subdued and become their subjects. Your sanctuary, wherever you met with your people, have been broken down, burnt down, to the ground, utterly destroyed. Verse 7, your name that carries your very essence, who you are, has been prof- 
profaned. Verse 9 actually sums it up so nicely. It's so bad that God's word that came to God's people through God's man, the prophet, your signs that came to us through your prophet, gone. Utterly disaster, utterly destroyed. The complete reversal of this blessing of God being with his people, God in their place under his rule. Completely and utterly destroyed. Perpetual ruin is what verse 3 calls it. Jerusalem is perpetually ruined. That's everlastingly ruined. Yet, have a look at verse 12. Yet, O Lord, this is what you have done. He's remembering that the Lord, the God of Israel, has been working, have a look at verse 12, salvation in the midst of this world, on the midst of this earth. Throughout the earth, throughout all the mess and the enemy, the Lord has been working his salvation. And it's not just the Lord, it's my God, the King, Yahweh. So have a look, let's compare and contrast. And he gives, he gives the Israelites, let's call it their most recent history lesson. When you look at the middle bits, the second bit there at the bottom. Verse 13, the Lord has saved you from Egypt. He divided the sea by his might. The head of the sea monster, he, he broke the head of the sea monster and the Leviathan. He crushed the head of the Leviathan. Now, sea monster Leviathan, that's just picture language of Pharaoh and his Israelites, his army. You know, the guys following him. <laughs> when they died, remember when the sea closed in on them, the Bible tells us they washed up on the beaches. You gave them, verse 14, as food to the wild creatures. Remember, when you were there in the desert, verse 14, you didn't have water, but then I split open the springs and the brooks. The Lord provided water for that mass of a nation going through the desert where there is no water. And then when they got to the promised land, you dried up that stream, the Jordan, and they walked through on dry land. So, my child, remember. Remember the miracle that is Jerusalem. Remember the miracle that there is a sanctuary. Remember that you guys even existed. The Lord created this nation of Israel. He literally gave them life. But if that's not enough, the psalmist then goes even one step further back. All the way back to creation in verse 16 and 17. And he says to the, um, uh, the Lord speaks to his people and says, Remember that the days are yours, the nights are yours. You established the heavenly lights and the sun. You have fixed the boundaries of the earth. You have made summer and winter. winter. Remember right at the beginning the Lord created life. Life for us to live in. And even there, remember... The enemy was right there coming into the garden seeking to destroy that life. Death entered God's perfect world right from the beginning. And yet, verse 12 is true. God, my king, has worked salvation even from there in the midst of that mess and he's been doing it ever since in the midst of every mess the world has ever found itself. The Lord created this nation of Israel. The enemy has tried to destroy it. 
They ask, Lord, where are you? Why aren't you doing anything? And the Lord says, I have. I have acted. I've worked salvation in the midst of this all. The enemy has tried to destroy life. I actually create life and sustain life. So the question is, Israel, the question is us today. God, do something? Lord says, I have. Look back. Will you trust me? So those guys, 587 BC, God's people, God's place, God's rule, the temple, completely destroyed. Many years later, another man comes and says, actually, that was just a picture of me. I am the temple. I will be forsaken in your place. I am the one who has worked salvation in the midst of the earth from the beginning. Jesus says to us, to these people, he says, you are mine, you belong to me. I've purchased you with my precious blood. I am the perfect spotless lamb. I'm the costly payment used to pay to buy you back. I'm the one who restored that relationship, that broken relationship. You've asked me to act. You've asked me to rise up, verse 22, and act. You've asked me to take my hands out of my pocket and act. Jesus says, look and see. Remember that lamb on the cross. So if we're going through deep waters today, the Lord's answer to us, hope for us, is I am the king from of old. I've worked salvation in the midst of anything and everything. In space, in time, in history, I have acted. Will you trust me now? So that's where real hope is found. Real hope is found in a God who cares and then acts. So those are the first two points. The last one, finally, we're going to look at the question of how long. How long, Lord? How long is this going to carry on? Um, and the interesting thing about this question is if you look, it actually strikes you that Israel's situation never changed. The destruction of Jerusalem never changed throughout the whole psalm. Starts in verse 3, the perpetual ruin. It is everlastingly ruined, the psalmist calls Jerusalem. The enemy has destroyed everything. The Lord asks, my son, tell me. Tell me all about it. And he does. And then have a look at how the psalm ends. Verse 22 and 23. Arise, O God, defend your cause. Remember how the foolish scoff at you all day. Do not forget the clamor of your foes, the uproar of those who rise up against you, uh, so which goes up continually. And there the psalm ends. The enemy is still ruling Jerusalem. Their, their uproars still go up continually all day long. They scoff at the Lord. It's not like the Lord quickly got up and chased them out and put Israel back. No. For those people, 587 B.C., they are going into exile. The Lord is like standing with his hands in his pockets, and it looks like he's not doing anything. And they're crying out. And the Lord's answer to them in Psalm 40, um, 74 is, I have. But 
I've done it on my terms and in my timing. It means that here and now, in this situation, I want you to remember. I want you to trust me in this situation now. In fact, what God is doing through this situation is calling his people back to to himself. What has happened as a consequence of the destruction of Jerusalem is the psalmist and God's people crying out. Oh God, where are you? They are turning back. They are turning their hearts back. It's like a refining fire. The Lord is taking that refining fire and burning away all of Israel's imperfect or false hopes and reminds them where their true hope is. Pain and suffering does that. C.S. Lewis says that pain and suffering is God's megaphone to a deaf world or to a hard-hearing world, calling them back to himself. That's exactly what the Lord is doing. So as we end, that age-old accusation, suffering is real in this world and we instinctively, oh God, where are you? Oh God, why don't you care? And the Lord's answer is, I do care. Come and tell me all about it. Bring all your pains and your sufferings to me. Tell me all about it. But then remember who you are. Remember how much I care about you. Oh God, why don't you act? My child, I have. The enemy has always been trying to destroy. But remember how I've protected. I've created you. I've redeemed you. Remember the eternal life that's there at the cross for anyone who comes. Oh God, why don't you change my situation? Why don't you do anything? My child, will you trust me? through this situation? Will you pick up your cross and follow me? Because remember, I am the king from of old. I've worked salvation in the midst of every situation the world has ever brought. You are not forsaken because I am with you always to the end of time. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, please will you hear our pain and our suffering as we bring it to you today, as we bring it to you in the quietness of our hearts. Um, Life is full of ups and downs, full of bad, good and bad. But Lord, please will you help me in my unbelief. When the pain and suffering gets the better of me, Help me remember who you are. You're a God who cares. You're a God who acts. You might not change my situation, but you use my situation to turn me back to you. Help me to trust you today and to follow you today because you are the God of real care, real hope, real action. You are the Lord of the cross. Amen.